Back with you once again, it's Jimmy B and TC. Trent Condon here, Jim Brinson alongside of me here until 6 o'clock tonight as we kick off the 5 o'clock hour and time to do it with one of our favorite people, Adam Kramer, Kegs and Eggs. Uh, you see his work at BleacherReport.com on college football. And, and though there's no football games going on right now, AK, there's always stuff to talk about. I love this time of year, guys, because this is where you, you, you get good stories. This is where people actually, well, they don't want to talk to you but they're willing to talk to you. Um, so you're a little bit more flexible. You know, once you get into the season, it's a lot trickier to, to, to manage that because people have bigger priorities. But so, so me, yeah, man, I'm, we're getting ready to go, preseason content, all that. And, uh, yeah, it is the season. It absolutely is, AK, and this is also the time of year where, well, another thing, you love college football, you also like wagering on college football. So before we, do. we, we start to dig into the numbers, uh, you know, Adam, I, I also very much like you and uh, <laughs> like like to play a little bit. It's now legal. It's going to be illegal. It's going to be illegal in your fine state of Illinois here in Iowa. Uh, we still got a little ways before we get there and, and officially are able to do it. But the Supreme Court ruling, when that came down a couple weeks ago, the reaction from you? It's a big deal. Um, I, I think it may be a little bit overblown right now, to be quite honest, because, um, you know, if you were gambling before, you're probably going to continue to gamble. And if you're gambling illegally, where credit is accepted, by the way, in many instances, which uh, <laughs> hopefully you don't have a, a visit from Moose and Rocco, but otherwise credit is accepted, you might continue to do that, or maybe not. So I, I'm very interested to see, um, I'm just, I, I'm very interested to see in terms of human behavior, how people adjust. But there's no doubt the coverage of this is huge. It's going to change the way we, we are delivered our sports, whether it's broadcast, whether it's radio, whether it's news, etc. I think this is absolutely going to become more accepted now that it is legal. And then I think the most fascinating part of this, and we've heard a little bit this week, you know, sports leagues wanting to get their cut of this. And I, I think that's the most interesting part. It's going to be an uphill climb, of course, wanting a uh, like an integrity tax of 1% if you will. Uh, you know, that, good luck. That's a lot of money that they're going to be asking for, and I think that's going to be interesting. And, and last but certainly not least, incorporating this at the events themselves. I, I love baseball, but I don't go to many live baseball games. However, if I could plug my phone in or, or download an app, and within that confines of the stadium, I can do live betting on every pitch or every at-bat or every swing, <laughs> I'm going to go to more baseball games. I, th- I think live betting is the future of this. You guys know that as well, and I think there's a so much you can do here once this is officially legalized. Adam, this is going to blow the roof off of uh, everything. Uh, Trent, my favorite degenerate, can't wait. Uh, How quickly do you think, I know some states, uh, New Jersey will be first, but some states are trying to implement as quickly as they can. Do you think that it'll be a rash of states trying to make this happen, or do you think it's going to be more wait and see? I think you'll get a mix of both. Um, you know, Delaware and Mississippi are right there. But, De- you know, Delaware has been offering parlays for a while. So this is like, hey, you know, they're ready for this now. Um, you know, Illinois, I-, I think it's an interesting time, too, when it comes to, um, you know, the political side of this, of, of certain people probably for or against this and using this as their campaign. So you guys know how this works. It- it- it's going to move slow. Like, this is not going to be, to me, something where all of a sudden all 50 states, it's, it's legal and we're off and running. I, I think it will be 
a sludge, but the, the reality is those that are, I mean, <laughs> to my knowledge, like New Jersey wants to be taking Beth like in the next few days or weeks, right? So I think the process of just getting everybody on the same page is going to take time, but there is so much money to be made that if there is a way to expedite this, states are going to find a way to do it. You know what I mean? So there is it there, because there is, there is so much money. It's good publicity. It's a new revenue stream, all of that. So I, I think once we, we get some of those numbers out in the open, if you're a state looking at this, you're going to say, Hey, this is uh, this isn't so bad. How do we get in on this? You know, Adam, the, the concerning part I know for a lot of people out there is as, at the college realm, you're not going to see, Tom Brady is not going to take, you know, money from, from a gambler to throw a game, but at the <laughs> collegiate level where guys don't have disposable income, don't have income at all, where there's an opportunity here. Now, I think you and I have a different kind of feeling about this with now you know, the red flags that'll go up if all of a sudden you're watching an Eastern Michigan to- Toledo game and, oh, here's a $500,000 bet. You know the flags exactly. are going to go up. Yeah. But, but even on a smaller scale, these athletes, an opportunity there to make some money here. How big of a deal do you think that is in the NCAA realm? It, it is a big deal, but it's been a big deal. You know what I mean? So, so this is kind of the back to the original point of, of this being big news, but let's keep it in perspective. If you wanted to compromise the backup quarterback of Miami of Ohio, who's starting for a four-win team, okay, in late November, and you offer him $25,000, you could have been doing that, and it, in some instances probably have been doing it all along. That guy gets a start, and hey, $25,000 for you to just be average. So, but to you know, to your original point too about the money. The other thing about this now is we can tell when these things happen. Much like with the stock market, it, with the way that these lines are monitored, not just from like experts, you know, like a, a watch group, but professional gamblers. If if there's like money, like significant millions of dollars, all, all of a sudden pouring in on a Mac game on like a Wednesday night, the, the red flag's going to go up. You know, so. It's gonna. It's a lot harder to do, I think, than maybe we realize. It, it is a concern. It's especially concerning college athletes, and there's a part of that that just makes you kind of squirm. But if if this isn't going to be what changes it, there's been the opportunity's been there for some time, um, and I think ultimately they're going to put more resources into it, and, and I think that will be good. But no, I, I, I again, a part of this that's probably going to be looked at a little bit more closely than maybe it should be. Not saying it's not important, it is. But I don't necessarily think all of a sudden all of our football games are going to be compromised. Do you think different conferences might try to be power players in some of this? Like, for an example, the Big Ten. Would they have a say uh, maybe in, in how things are done, or is not is that not going to be the case at all? I think the NCAA needs to, to wrap their head around this as a whole first. This is for pro sports, there is it makes you think you, you can't even drink it most of these days. Still, right? So you know, so there's been a they've put up a brick wall when it comes to adult behavior, which is by the way that brick wall is being torn down when you realize you can make millions of dollars a year off of selling it alcoholic beverages. No, by the way, statistically speaking, uh, binge drinking is going to decrease. Now, I'm not saying if you offer up gambling at stadiums, all of a sudden you know that you're going to. In, you know, inject a hugely positive outcome in the community. I, I would love to say that. I, I feel that way personally because I enjoy gambling. But who knows? 
I, I think that's the part that they've got to figure out. But we've seen West Virginia and Marshall try to get on this as well. But, you know, th- this is something they offer overseas. Go to a soccer game. You can place a bet on it. You can sit there. It, would I be surprised if in, like, you know, two, three years, you go up to West Virginia to, to you know, pick with the will call, and right next to it you can place a bet? Uh, yeah, I'd be a little surprised. I think college has to figure out exactly where they fit in and what that acceptable line. But as you guys have known, two, you know, I'd say four or five years ago, it was it was wrong to talk about gambling on these broadcasts. Mm-hmm. Here we are. It's right. We talk about it every week when we're on during the season. Uh, we're talking about it on TV on, on on major sporting networks. So the, the lines become between what's acceptable and not is going to continue to probably just go away and become one different norm and specifically with college because it is student athletes, et cetera, et cetera. I'm very curious to see how they, they, they adjust with that. Well, we, we put all the caveats out there, all the uh, different layers that we got to get through. Let's get into what we can wager on. And, and very excited this afternoon, Adam. I don't even know if you've had an opportunity to see this yet, but spreads are out from the South Point. They're <laughs> games of the year. My buddy Chris Andrews has uh, thrown these out there. So oh, uh, I'm going to dive right at the biggest game. Oh, no, I haven't seen them. Okay. Yes, this is great. Okay, yeah, we're, we're, we're going right into it. We'll start on the local level. Cyhawk game, week two, Iowa State invading Iowa City. Give us a guess, AK. What do you think the number that the South Point's laid out? I would say Iowa minus three, and I do not feel good about that at all. Yes, uh, that that's about the area that I was thinking. How about you, Jimmy B? We haven't we haven't dug into it yet. What do you think the spread is? Uh, I would say Iowa with the home field that Kenny Ken Miller always told me it's worth at least three. So I'm going to say four and a half. That's seven, a good yeah. seven is the number. Way too high. Yeah. Guys, all right, cut, cut off the radio. Let's go right now. Let's go to Vegas. Seven. That's yes. way too many points. You know, very interesting with these initial lines. They're, they're, how they're done, they're going off of power rankings, and and they truly, they a lot of these games, like, I'm not, and, and they do a great job of, of creating interest in these, but the limits are low, and if lots of action comes in, these lines move fast, really fast. I saw Michigan, um, was like a seven-point dog to Notre Dame, you know, like, and all of a sudden, boom, that touchdown's a race. So, in truth, I'm not saying nobody knows about these teams. That's too many points. That is that is a bad number. And, and of course, I, I don't necessarily feel good either way now that I've said it's a bad number. I would, um, I would take those points, absolutely. But, man, that's very interesting. All right, we got a couple other game of the years locally. Uh, Iowa-Nebraska at the end of the season. Iowa-Northwestern's listed from the South Point. But the other one I wanted to get your perspective on, it'll be the Big Ten opener for the Hawkeyes and very well could decide the Big Ten West. Wisconsin makes their way to Kinnick Stadium. Iowa a couple years ago during their undefeated run obviously got the Badgers that season. The only win, though, that they've had over the last couple of seasons. Wisconsin at Iowa. What do you got for a number? All right, I will go Wisconsin eight and a half, I, and it could be lower. That's kind of a, a bullish line, but I, I get a sense, and it's probably wrong considering they like them so much. I get a sense people really like Wisconsin this year, so it, I'd say somewhere between seven, six and a half, and eight and a half. It is five. Five's the number. Wow. I was going to say I was going to say like four, four and a half. You know, yeah. Here's the thing. It sounds like, at least at the South Point, Chris and his crew, maybe they like the Hawkeyes a lot more than, than at least the general public feels right now. 
it certainly feels that way, to be quite honest, um, which is good. I mean, again, it means nothing, of course, right. because they have to play the game. But but in general, that that team, and, and I guess there is there is quite a bit to like still. You know what I mean? Yeah. There is a there is a, in my opinion, maybe the best tight end in the country, uh, a really good young quarterback, lots and lots of, of, of pretty interesting pieces despite huge losses. So again, you don't want to look overlook into this, but as someone who watches them, it is telling when when people who are in the know uh, think this about your team. It, it cannot hurt. It doesn't mean you're going to be great, but it cannot hurt. Adam Kramer's our guest. The score, we're talking right now about uh, how all of this crazy wagering stuff is going to play out. You know, it's it's funny, Adam, because we're sitting here and we're thinking about those lines. I don't know, Adam, since we're in the state and we followed the, the Cyhawk series so closely and both Iowa State and Iowa so closely, maybe we are too close to the issue. Are we missing something, do you think, that Vegas has got a better finger on it, or do we have it? This is the hard part about doing this when emotion gets involved with gambling. Because, and, and it's very interesting you say this. I've, had, I've talked to friends about this all the time, and by no means am I a professional in this realm when it comes to guys who really scout lines and put in the homework. But, but I've always said, you know, people say, well, don't bet with your heart. Well, you also watch this team a lot, and you know this team well. And, and in the instance of Iowa, I would say I've done fairly, fairly well betting on and against Iowa over the years because I'm, I'm sort of able to separate myself, my fandom, and, and have a pretty good understanding of the team. You know what I mean? So that's a thin line because if you support Iowa, you know, you're going to say, oh, you know, Iowa minus you know, seven. It, it's hard for you to take the other side, but you do know a lot. You are an expert. You are an expert on that team if you watch them and you know the roster. So if you're able to harness that knowledge for good, you can do okay. It's very hard to do that, though, because we all are fans of certain teams. We all just have sort of inherent biases based off of our experiences. And that's fun. That's part of the fun of sports. The trick is trying to use that knowledge and approach it with a mindset where you say, I'm going to be realistic about this. If you can, again, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. But, yeah, being close to a team has its good, has its perks, and it could also cost you, too. Hey, uh, Adam, from the national scale, you know, you look at most everybody's, you know, projections for the college football playoff. It's some combination of Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and, and somebody else. It's it's very yep. difficult to find anybody that's really going out on a limb. Is there are there a couple of teams that you're looking at when you when you come up with your official predictions that that can upset the apple cart of, of just favorites seemingly year after year? Yeah, and, and I'd say the other team that's getting a lot of love right now is, is Washington. Yep. Um, I know the Pac-12 is one that, you know, everybody's seemingly, ah, no thanks, but I, I really like that team. Uh, I, I, I think Wisconsin is one. Um, they've been awfully close. I mean, that, that's the thing. I don't necessarily think that's a huge, like, shocker. Um, they were about there last year. So I, I think they're a really good team. That's probably going to be the best offense that they've had in a while. A couple others that I'm pretty curious about. Virginia Tech is one. Um, you know, they kind of hit, they, they looked the part for a lot of last season and then offensively sort of hit a wall. Um, you know, that's a pretty interesting conference this year in the ACC. And, and when you try to evaluate, like, what, what it's going to look like, to me it really starts with, well, what is the competition amongst those teams? We know Clemson's going to be really good. 
But we also know now that, that getting two teams from a conference in is, is possible if the conference is deemed to be good enough. I, I think with the ACC, there's enough quality teams and the reputation is good enough where it wouldn't necessarily be impossible. I think the conference, though, that to me is sort of the hardest to predict, that could definitely produce maybe the most interesting situations is the Big 12. Um, I think West Virginia is loaded. And I'm not going to necessarily attach myself to a playoff prediction yet, but they've got Will Greer. They've got the best wide receiver in football. This is a really good defense. Like, there's no reason for them not to be good. Is is Texas capable of, of taking a, a – it would be a seismic – you know, this would be a seismic shift in what we've done. But they've got talent. Uh, Oklahoma loses the best player in the country. So that, that and the Pac-12 to me are probably the, the two conferences, you know, a team like Stanford, maybe where if you're trying to forecast something that's going to be feel somewhat unlikely, those are the two places I'd begin. All right, Adam. I'm real curious then about this. Since we're talking in your estimation, in the next three to four years, will the Pac-12 start to lose teams? And you might see the Arizona teams jump the Big 12. You, you might see something else where the Pac-12 starts to run amok. Do you see that or not? No, I, I think the reputation could get a hit. Um, but no, I, I don't necessarily think we're in like that doomsday area that we, we were, you know, previously. It just doesn't feel like it. So, um, but, but yeah, I think things need to change. Things are not going particularly well right now when it comes to reputation and on-field performance. But in terms of that that sort of potential monster shakeup, and remember how interesting the off seasons used to be when it felt like it was like every other week there was a, a different rumor. I mean, it, it really got us through this time pretty nicely. Uh, I'm not saying I, I. It also was more work for me, so selfishly, it's kind of no thanks. Um, but no, I don't think we're there. I I, I do think though that. Right now, if you could use some good news if you're playing in that conference. Going to be an interesting summer. lot to get through. Sports gambling at the forefront for us. Adam Kramer joining us. Kegs and Eggs, a.k.a. Great catching up again. Let's do it again here this summer. All right, guys. That sounds good. You have a good one. Adam Kramer joining us. Good college football talk with him. We're going to go from one side of college football talk to another, talking a little Big Ten and a whole lot more with Ken Silverstein. He'll join us coming up next as we take you up until 6 o'clock here tonight. It's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 KBGG. Welcome back, everybody. Here on the Big Talker 1700, we say hello to Ken Silverstein. We'll do some Big Ten with him and some NBA and even some NFL as well. I'll jump in first, and uh, Ken, a lot of conversation right now. Tom Izzo, possibility of moving on, leaving Michigan State and taking the Orlando Magic job. Certainly the big story, Big Ten-wise, of the day. Izzo, looking around. I may hold his hand and take him to area code, what is it, 407, I think it is, uh, which I think is downtown Orlando. Um, really interesting here. He, he almost took the Cleveland Cavaliers job a couple years ago. A little background. Ben Gilbert, who is um, the owner of the Cavaliers, uh, he is Mr. Quicken Loans himself, along with building basically half of uh, downtown Detroit these days. And when he isn't bored, he's rebuilding half of downtown Cleveland, Ohio. At the same time, he's a multi-multi-billionaire with a B as in Barbara. And 
obviously he's a very important alum at Michigan State. And he has tried a couple times, probably the last time, right when they they fired Mike Brown a couple times. The last time they fired Mike Brown, or it may have been when they fired Byron Scott, all these things started running into each other. Call it senioritis on my part. Whatever. Um, And I I was told he came pretty close to taking it uh, because money was no object. Now let's fast forward to these rumors. Look, Michigan State is a quagmire right now. I mean, it is, and I'm being kind calling it a quagmire. With the Nassar situation, the payout of tens and tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars, I didn't even think Michigan State had that kind of money, to be honest with you, but they somehow found it. I don't know where they found it uh, because they're not Michigan. They're not Ohio State. They're not Notre Dame getting out of the Big Ten. They're not a school where you think of, other than Dan Gilbert, I can't think of anybody who's that heavy a hitter who's an alum. All right, Magic Johnson, yes, I'm talking I'm talking business. I'm talking major, major, multi, multi, multi-billionaire type, okay? Uh, famous alum, big-time alum. Um, so somehow they came up with the money. So would it surprise me? No, it would not surprise me. And if I was in his, I guess <laughs> in some ways, I'm not in his inner circle. He's not calling me for my opinion, but in this conversation, uh, in my so-called marriage to, in this case, Tom Izzo, I would say to him, timing is everything. It might be time to boogie. Um, I just just think this thing in Michigan State um, will continue to have legs. Um, I think it's going to continue going after the basketball and likewise the football program. And I don't think from a timing standpoint that it's not a bad time to get out of East Lansing. Now, will he do it? I don't know. He bleeds green white. I mean, he is he is sparty. Um, but it wouldn't shock me one bit. And if I was him, uh, I might I might leave. What, what else he's got to accomplish in college hoops? So I would leave. But I'm I'm not saying that I know he's going to leave. I'm just saying if I was him, I would leave. But we'll see. We'll know probably in the next few days to a week because these things. Usually when they come out, you either have to squish it or you have to basically sign on the dotted line. So uh, from that and a little Big Ten basketball to the NBA Eastern Conference Finals, before we get into what we saw last night, what we're going to see in Game 6 and a possible Game 7, I absolutely love the reaction out there. There was uh, a response out there talking about Cal Corver is a better player at this point in his NBA career than <laughs> Carmelo Anthony. Now, Carmelo did not like that one bit, as no, you'd no, anticipate. Uh, no. But, look, I, I, I get what the person was saying. It's a little bit silly, but, but in a way, at least understanding your role, knowing at this point in your career what you are, I'd probably rather have Kyle Korver on my team than Carmelo Anthony with salaries and everything else included in there. I'd rather have Korver at this point. Well, Korver's a little maintenance. I mean, he's just a pro. Right. He's a great guy. Shows up every day. Works really hard at his game. He's, what, 37 years old right now. Uh, yeah. They signed him to a multi-year deal, so he's going to be back with the Cavaliers at least for one more year. He's had a really good career. Now, I mean, statistically, when you look at Korver's numbers compared to uh, Anthony's numbers, they pale in comparison. If you look at points and 
rebounds and so forth. Um, if you look at who's easier to deal with, which is where I started with his answer, well, it's Corver because Anthony still thinks he's Anthony of five, eight years ago, and at one point you could make an argument that Carmelo was, you know, yeah, he was a top, no doubt, he was a top ten player. Now, is he a top ten player? Now, no. no. In no lifetime is he a top ten player. But in Carmelo's head, with everything swimming around upstairs, and with the ego as big as downtown Des Moines, I think he catch my drift, he still thinks he's a player he was 5'10x amount of years ago, where Corver knows who he is, is comfortable within his own skin, and knows his role, and for the most part fulfills that um, game in, game out. All right, then. Take me to the game, then. Last night, mm. a lot of, uh, lot of a- activity after the game that LeBron was gassed in that game. Look, the guy has been on an absolute tear, uh, scoring over 40 points like five times so far during the, uh, the playoffs here. He doesn't have much help with the exception of Kevin Love. And, I mean, he's, he's going to have a bad night. I, I felt, Kenny, he was, he was gassed some, did not have a great night. The team, meaning the Cavaliers, did not have a great night. So do they right the ship when they come to Cleveland and then force a Game 7? Yeah, I think they'll win tomorrow night, uh, 7.30 uh, Central Time tip. I think they will win. Um, I don't think he wants to go out losing at home to a Celtics team without Irving and Haywood. So I think they win. I don't know. We haven't had a really close game at even, let's see, five. Even game four was a little bit misleading. Celtics scored a couple baskets in the final minute or so and made it a little bit closer uh, from the the betting standpoint, let's say. Um, So really you can make an argument that none of these games, the first five, have really been that close. I think we'll see one a little closer, something like around five or six points, but I think the Cavaliers will win. We'll force a game seven, which will be Sunday night, 7.30 Central. Um, there's two ways to look at this. If, if I'm right, the Cavs do win game six, and I think they will. In a one-game series, if you are the best player, no matter where the game is played, you would feel confident, in this case, the Cavaliers would win. But on the flip side of that coin, it's it's basically LeBron James and to some extent Kevin Love and a bunch of role players. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, nothing personal, but you are who you are. And you know, we I said last week they're a bunch of B actors. I mean, that's that's who they are. Corver and Thompson and Nance and Partridge in a Pear Tree, J.R. Smith, and on and on and on. All these guys are B actors. Uh, they've made their money, and they've had nice careers, some a little lengthier than others because they've been on this earth longer. But none of these guys are, you know, elite players. And the one thing that Boston had, they don't have an elite player. None of these guys are elite players. Okay, Tatum might be someday, and Brown may be someday, but they're not there yet. Okay, and Harford is a nice player, but, I mean, he's, he's never been a top-ten player, never will be because he's getting up there in age, and, and Morris is a nice role player, and the rest of their guys, you know, smart as a role player. Uh, one thing they do well, they share the ball, they usually have balanced scoring, they don't have a stud player because Irving is hurt, and Haywood is hurt, 
and they play really good defense, and at home, they are a better team. On the road, to be honest with you, they're just slightly above average, and that's why I think they're going to lose a game six. I think they'll win game seven, and I'm going to assume Golden State is still going to win this thing, and they'll be lucky to win one game against Golden State, to be honest with you. Because the problem's going to be they have four studs, and Boston's got zero studs, and that's not a good matchup for Boston. So even if they win the series, and I think they will win in seven, um, if I'm right, and Golden State still wins this thing, and I'm going to assume they will, then I don't. I think they'll be lucky to win one game against Golden State. You know, are, are we just set up for the inevitable Game 7? Game 6, do you give the Celtics a chance here, as bad as they've been on the road, as, as poorly as they have played? Do you give them a realistic shot against the Cavs there in Cleveland? Maybe 48 49%. I, I, I've watched every game. I've been at every home game. They look, they look petrified on the road. They just look very uptight. Um, they're not used to the big stage on the road. The numbers don't lie. Uh, look, this is a hell of a story. He's done a hell of a job, mm-hmm. right, Stevens? You got to give him all the credit in the world. Um, this is a nice squad, but there are no superstars on this team. Okay, Irving is a superstar. Okay, there's no doubt about it. Hey, he's a top ten player, and just seeing the one shot to be Golden State to give Cleveland a championship a couple years ago—that's as big time a shot as you're ever going to see. At the pro level, collegiate level, whatever. Just that shot alone puts him in the top ten, in my mind. Forget anything else. And believe me, he's got a big enough resume now, even with or without that shot, he's still a top ten player. And as a 25-point-a-night guy. I mean, just roll it out. He can score 25 or more a night, Kyrie Irving. But they've been able to do it without Kyrie Irving, and Haywood is a credit. But they're going to get exposed in the finals, particularly if it's Golden State, because Durant and Curry and the others are just too good, too savvy, too, too much on the resume, and they are going to literally wilt in front of Golden State. But let's get ahead of ourselves. I think Cavs will win game six, but it's all for naught. Um, I think Boston will win game seven. I think Cavaliers will play hard. I think they'll keep it relatively close. I think LeBron will play out of his mind. I think it will be LeBron's last game in Cleveland because I think he will leave. I can't prove that, but everybody I talk to, maybe I've talked myself into it. I think he will leave. (laughs) And where he'll go, most people think Philadelphia, Houston, Houston, Philly because of certain relationships, but nobody knows. I mean, that's pure, even just conjecture that he will leave. It's even at a higher level conjecture. When you speculate where he might go, it'll end up being, like I said last week, it'll be a sign-and-trade deal. Cavs will get draft picks and probably a player, and they will begin to rebuild with what they get from either, I don't know, Houston, Philadelphia, or whomever you fill in the blank. Ken, uh, a quick aside here, uh, something we were talking about a little bit earlier in our conversation. Tom Izzo won't be taking the Orlando Magic head coaching wow. job, a source tells Graham Couch of the Lansing State Journal. And and as you know, Ken, somebody is plugged into Michigan State Athletics and Tom Izzo, as you're going to find. So very credible source there, Graham Couch of the Lansing State Journal. No, he's State credible, Journal. and I know him. And, and, and yeah, I would, I would pretty much take that to get the deposit ticket ready to put it in the yep. bank. I would say that's pretty legit. I'm just, 
look, he's, he, like I said earlier, he believes Spartan, okay? And he's turned down Dan Gilbert, uh, who would throw more money at him than G.O.D., and he's a Michigan State guy, and he's turned down Dan Gilbert and the Cavaliers at least once, and I think he's turned them down twice that I know of, okay? So I give credit for, for Orlando. I think it's a smart move. I'll tell you what, why don't the Pistons? Now, I know there's a rumor out there um, with Coach Casey possibly being the guy, mm-hmm. but if I'm Detroit and I just blew out Stan Van Gundy, I wonder, I wonder, and I'm just, I've not seen anything. Maybe you guys have seen something and I missed it. I've not seen anything in regards to the Pistons talking to Izzo. I mean, that would be a move where, you know, it makes a lot of sense. It's one thing to move to Orlando. Yeah, I get it. They got nice weather in Orlando. Excuse me, would throw a lot of money at them. But Detroit is, I mean, how far is it from East Lansing? What, 60-minute drive? Mm-hmm. Okay, not even that roughly. So um, I'm curious why the Pistons, um, unless they've done it and kept it quiet, which I guess it's possible, but in today's world it's pretty difficult to keep that kind of thing quiet. So I don't know about you guys. Are you, are you surprised the Pistons have taken, haven't made a run at Izzo with an opening uh, as I- head coach of the Pistons? I was because as soon as it opened up, I thought, oh, they're going to go after Izzo. But everything that I've seen so far today, it's Dwayne Casey. And I get yeah, and I that. Think it, I think it will be Casey. I think it will be yeah. Casey, and I think it's a good hire. Um, yep. Because they have pieces. They have Drummond. They have some other pieces. Um, they made the big trade with the Clippers, obviously. Right. Um, yeah, Blake so, Griffin. Yeah, Blake Griffin. So they, they have some pieces. It's just, it just hasn't worked. And I know we haven't talked about this. Whether Boston wins this series against Cleveland, I think they will. And whether they beat Houston, which I don't think they would, or beat Golden State, which I'm almost positive, they won't. It's still a hell of a run. The key for everybody else in the Eastern Conference in the NBA, and to a lesser extent, the Western Conference, is that Irving and Hayward are coming back next year. Brown and Tatum now have had postseason runs deep in the playoffs, okay, Horford and others are still going to be hanging around. How good will Boston be next year? And are they the team to beat in the East, even if LeBron stayed? And I don't think he will. And some will say, well, Philadelphia might be better. Well, I don't know if Philadelphia will be better, okay, unless they get somebody like uh, Leonard or um, LBJ, LeBron James, or Paul George or somebody like that. Then all of a sudden, you can make an argument that Philadelphia will be the team to beat these. But right now, no matter what happens between now through the offseason and when they start screeching sneakers again in October, um, I feel like I'm not a kid again. The Celtics are the best team in the NBA or the best team in the East. It appears that Boston's going to be the best team in the East and could be for a number of years. So with that, uh, Ken, one final thing. Uh, point spreads have been released by uh, Ken and, or Jim and I's friend, excuse me, out in Vegas, uh, Chris Andrews mm-hmm. at the South Point Casino, who we have on the program. And uh, I wanted to get your perspective on this. Now, you're not a degenerate like myself. We know this. But, <laughs> but you do keep... I can't even spell the words, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you do, you do keep an eye on point spreads of things. So... Once in a blue moon, it comes to my attention. But yeah. it's only for 
mature conversation. How about that? Absolutely. Well, the games of the year are out at the South Point, including, of course, the game for you out in your uh, stratosphere. Michigan at Ohio State this year. Take a stab at it, Ken. What do you think the point spread is? Well, I'm not going to tell you. I I, I have no idea. None. I I swear on whatever. Uh, I have not seen it. I've seen a couple numbers for early season games, Mm -hmm. uh, but I've not seen, quote, quote, the game, the game. Um, it's in Columbus. I think Chip Patterson is going to be really good. The problem for Michigan is that I think he's going to leave after one year and go to the NFL draft, which I can't blame him. But for one year, it's going to save Harbaugh's backside. Um, I'll say three and a half Ohio State, because mostly because of home field. You're, you're light on the Buckeye side, very light in fact, nine. Wow. The Buckeyes too are high. Nine. Too high. Too high. That, that was I, my I, initial reaction, too. I, with that too defense. Too high. I mean, I know they've dominated them, and I know sure. that you know, Harbaugh hasn't won yet, and going back to Brady Hoke and Rich Rod before that, Ohio State has dominated the series basically since 2000. Um, that's too high. In a rivalry game, I think Michigan's going to have a really good year. I think we'll see against Notre Dame early on. Um, I want to see how they play against Penn State and Michigan State. These are games that Harbaugh has lost, particularly against Michigan State. What is it? He's 1-5 and five against the teams he's got to beat, or the quote-unquote rivalry games, Ohio State and Michigan State. He's winless against Ohio State. He's got one win against Michigan State. I know D'Antonio just loves hearing those numbers. Uh, so if I'm khaki man, I better start winning some games I can't go eight and five anymore, and Shea Patterson may save his backside um, at least for one year. I think I went back and I watched some tape of Shea Patterson. Uh, go YouTube or wherever you want to check it out. Uh, he's pretty good. He's better than anything they've had um, over the last X amount of years. You fill in the blank number of years. So um, uh, they need to win ten or more, and with that defense, I think they can. But I'm going to be very curious to see how they look against, quote, quote, upper competition. Again, I think nine's a little high. We have to let you go. We are out of time, Ken Silverstein. But we'll we have talk a... to you uh, next Thursday. Happy Memorial Day to everybody. Same to you. And, Ken, we got a whole summer where we can talk point spreads, all right? Nine. I can't believe it. Man, <laughs> I'll be thinking about that the rest of the day. Nine. I can't believe it. That number's high. <laughs> it is. Have high. a good one, everybody. That's Ken Silverstein checking in. Always fun talking with him. We're coming back on the other side. We'll put a cap on things. It's Jimmy B and TC. Welcome back, everybody. We are just about finished here for a Thursday, but we always do a segment on what are we going to be dialed into this evening. Well, Trent, look, uh, you know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be dialed into the NBA game with Golden State and Houston. That series now is deadlocked at 2-2. They are back in Houston. Can the Rockets win on their home floor and then force that sixth game back at Golden State with an opportunity to close out the Warriors. This should be highly, highly entertaining tonight. Injury-wise is going to play a part here. You know, what we find out. Yep. Not just if guys are available, what what they can get out of Iguodala. There's been some talk about Thompson. You know, what's going on there. Still, even with all that, Jimmy B, it's in Houston, I get it. I think Golden State responds in a big way. As poorly as they played in the fourth quarter, Durant's taking some arrows now. Curry's taking some arrows. Those guys 
when they get running, and you saw it in the third quarter just how good they're going to be, I anticipate they bounce back and bounce back in a big fashion. So I'm going to grab Golden State here. I told you two nights ago that Houston was going to give you a run. I told you last night the Celtics were going to blow out the Cavs. Here mm-hmm. I'm giving you a winner in the NBA for the third straight, and you don't even have to call a 900 number to get it. Golden State <laughs> wins this one. We'll say in the 5-7 to seven point range. They win it pretty comfortably. Golden State with the win. Okay, I, I kind of am feeling that as well, despite the fact I'd love to see Houston win it just to see how Golden State would respond back on their home court. And that would then set up a seventh and deciding game because I would think the Warriors would take care of business on their home floor. So from that aspect of it, Trent, um, We'll see how it all plays out tonight. Is there any baseball that you're going to look at this evening? Twins are off. Cubs are off. Uh, That makes it a little bit more difficult. Had a lot of day baseball going on today. Uh, Houston and Cleveland. How about that? How about that uh, KC-Texas game? No. Okay, maybe not. No, No, maybe not. No, Danny Duffy (laughs) has been bad, bad this year. You know, Houston-Cleveland, that one uh, started a little after 5 o'clock. Maybe. Uh-huh. I, I'll, ju- I'll flip over. I'll probably put on my boy Brian Anderson and the Brewers. They've taken on the Mets uh, this evening at 7 o'clock. So okay. that's, yep. that's going to be part of the rotation, but it's getting ready for 8 o'clock tonight. Getting ready for the NBA Finals. And speaking of, of Finals, the Stanley Cup Finals will be right here on 1700 as we'll have full yeah. play-by-play of the Capitals as they face off against the Golden Knights from Vegas. We'll have you covered here on 1700. Jim, have a good night. Thank you, pal. We'll be back bright and early again tomorrow, everybody, right here on the Big Talker 1700.